I'm Steve Vibronix, and this is the Life in Dub podcast, talking to people who live their lives in dub and reggae. Episode number 18. Welcome to the 18th Life in Dub podcast. I hope everyone is okay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Life in Dub. I've been getting more and more messages from people telling me how they enjoy the show. It's great to get this kind of feedback, along with all the suggestions and comments, so keep them coming in. Thanks also to everyone who bought the Jarlite Jarlove reissue 7-inch that we have up on Bandcamp right now. It's great to see the love for such an old Vibronics tune. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast and help share these amazing Life in Dub stories. For all the past episodes and links to buy t-shirts, you can visit the website lifeindub.com. And if you want to get in touch, just email me vibronics at gmail.com. This week, I want to talk a bit about the ongoing COVID crisis. I know there's so much talk about the virus out there and I don't like to hark on about it, but it has been on my mind recently. So I thought I'd share my perspective as it is right now. I've seen more and more posts from people in the sound system and reggae world expressing their concerns and frustrations at the situation. I think we all thought it would just be a few months of rest at the start of the crisis, but as it goes on, there's still no sign of returning to regular sessions and dances anywhere in the world. One thing that makes it more frustrating is that here in the UK, so many things seem to return to normal. Bars, restaurants, shops, many places pretty much open as usual. But mass gatherings of people, for obvious reasons, still seem far, far off. I consider myself one of the lucky ones. My studio and label are still up and running, but my heart really goes out to the promoters, sound systems, venues, and all those people whose whole life is based solely on these mass gatherings of people that are just not possible right now. It is reassuring to see people finding new ways to share music and vibes in whatever way they can, so I'm confident we won't be defeated by this, but this uncertainty is really testing us all. This week, my guest is Murray Mann from Birmingham, a great vocalist and producer and founder of the Mellow Vibes record label. Certainly one of the nicest guys in the business. We had a really interesting interview with Murray telling us about his childhood times in Jamaica, as well as some great stories about the old sound system days in Birmingham and his involvement in the Virgo sound system back in the 1980s. So enough of me, let's get on with the interview. Well, Murray Mann, Welcome to the Life in Dub podcast. Yeah, man. It's nice to be here on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thank you, Steve Ibronix, for inviting me uh, to have a chat with you about the musical journey. Thank you very much. Nice. Nice. And we're not, not so far apart, even though we're doing it distance-wise. I'm in Leicester. You're in Birmingham. Yeah, man. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birmingham strong, as them say. Yeah. So, you know, so we're, we're neighbours. Yeah, man. Well, listen, what, what I'm doing when I start the podcast, a lot of people are familiar with this now, is I'm asking everyone the same question. And I'm asking everyone to name a song or a track or whatever that, that's been really important to them, something that's been sort of, it's changed things. And you think, yeah, when I listen to that, that changed things for me. And there was kind of no going back. So I don't know if you've got an example of a track like that you want to share with us. Okay, okay. Well, you know, as you know, you know, music spread far. So, you know, there's many, many tracks that you know, inspirate me that, you know, carry me uh, a, a long way. And, you know, it was some music from um, Augustus Pablo, you know, some, some of that inspirational stuff, you know. You know, and also a song um, that me actually sing called um, Trudding the Road, you know, that is quite an a inspirational song for me because, you know, it really bring up big vibes to me when me actually did sing this one on the rhythm. So, you know, the Augustus Pablo stuff was, you know, 
a great inspiration for me. That's all we can really say to you, Steve. And, you know, treading the road on the right side, of course. Yes. Nice. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, all the, the rocker stuff that Pablo did was like, I love it as well. It's just it's some of the best music ever made as far as I'm concerned. You know, it was part of my, um, you know, uh, youth and teenage days growing up, you know, so... Well, that's, that's what's kind of interesting me. So, obviously, I guess you were you born in Birmingham, is that right? Yeah, man, born and growing in Birmingham, you know, and I kept going back to Jamaica at an early age, so it, it was a bit strange, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, born and bred in England, yeah. And what, so, what, what kind of music were you listening to when you were younger, and what, what kind of stuff was around? Okay, um... It started like in the, you know, in the mid 70s, you know, when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. And, um, you know, I was listening to my father's music. So, you know, because we had a guest room in the house, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot of people invited, you know, to go in the house of the family. So it was only made for the guests. So inside the house, uh, we had a, a, a stereo with all my dad's music because most times every year he used to go back to Jamaica and bring back food and stuff for my mom. You know, every time he came back, he came back with a, a little packet, you know, two little packets, you know, one big one and one small packet. Set it taped up, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, nice. you know, I was always happy to not only that my dad came back from Jamaica, but to smell the suitcase, you know, because when you smell the suitcase, you smell Jamaica, really. He smelled the fruit, he smelled the highland, so... And what, what, what was he bringing back? Well, he bring back, you know, a few little things that can't grow here. So, obviously, you know, coming on that, that, that long hour flight, you know, and, and taking the bus to come back to Birmingham and try to wrap up some, some, some fruits and some stuff for, for us, you know, just in small packages, you know? So all the time it was always smelling of, of fruit and, and, and loveliness from Jamaica, you know? So in, in, in that same time, um, you know, those, these two packages that he brought back, you know, there was records, you know, there were seven inches and uh, there were some 12 inches, 45. So, you know, I, I grew up on, you know, that, that mid-70s uh, uh, reggae music, you know what I mean? So uh, that is where I started with the... Delray Wilson, the Toots and the Matils, and you know, you know the, the, the nice. The, and these the, these records were direct yeah, from Jamaica. That's right. You know the early John Holt and the, you know the Dennis Brown and the early Dennis Browns. And I wasn't allowed to play the music, you know, because uh, my father was very strict with the records, of course. And uh, yeah, you can't mess with your dad's no, things. No, 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 no. So I was only made to. Um, Listen and dance, you know? So I listen and dance and uh, enjoy myself when the room was open, you know? And, you know, it, you know that's where it really started, you know? And did you, go, did you go back to Jamaica yourself sometimes as well? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, was, I was back in Jamaica, you know, a few years in a row with the, fam with the family, you know, because every time we finished school, they would say to us, come on, we're going to Jamaica. I used to cry. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. and you know, in the end, I had to kids go. Don't, kids, kids don't want to leave home. Yeah, yeah. They want to stay with their mates. Yeah, in whatever. the end, I had to go. I went with my mom a few times, yeah, and I went with my dad. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, the experiences there was, again, it was a transformation of my life, you know? You know, to experience, uh, you know, back home of where my quite, parents quite different. From, yeah. 
quite different to, to Birmingham, I guess. Yeah, of course, of course. You know what I mean? And, you know, going back at an early age on a frequent, it was frequent. It was going back at, when I was young very frequently. And, um, you know, you know, being in Jamaica was a, a different experience, you know. You know, uh, you had area sound systems and, you know, it was the first time me a real rock in 77 or 78 or so. So, you know, those... And you'd hear that, what, on, it's playing on a sound Yeah, that's right, that's right. I think, I, I'm not sure if that was the year it did release, but that was the year me, me, me captured that sound, you know, the real rock rhythm there with the horns and, you know what I mean? So. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, capture them style and the Shankai Shank. You know, I was I was in Jamaica them time when those music was was playing. You know, so this is the gold. These are the golden days. The golden days of reggae. You know, I went back to Jamaica for the six weeks holiday. You know, with my parents and running around Jamaica and having fun with the animals because you know, uh, being in England, you know, we only can go to the zoo. But in Jamaica, you know, we have goats not far and. You know, you have you, people have chicken farm, and you know what I mean. You know, you know it's it's fascinating to, you know, see a different side of how oh, we see things here with the animals, donkey. You know what I mean? Especially when you're you're young, and it's kind of used to being in a city where things are controlled yeah, and a bit more dangerous, and then you have more freedom. And I guess when you go back to Jamaica, yeah, that's right. Because you know, my my family then come more from the countryside. You know, Clarendon. You know what I mean? Then come from Clarendon, and you know. Them, them come from that side of Jamaica, you know, so, you know, it's more in the country side we come from, so, you know, we, 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 we grow with the animals as well, you know, so when I was there, to, uh, once again, it opened my eyes, you know, to how different the UK was, you know, but my, my parents was giving me experience, you know, to let them know this is where you come from and, you know, you have to know that all your family and, you know, we used to uh, jump in the minibus and go and visit all the family and we have to do that in six weeks. So, you know, growing up, growing up in, in, in that time was a great experience for me and the love of music from my dad playing it uh, on the stereo in that guest room, it kind of opened me up a lot, you know what I mean? Because when I went to Jamaica, as soon as I hear the music, I'm gone. I disappear. Where him is? In gone go follow the music. In gone, man. In gone go follow the music. Go and find him. And you know where they find me? You know where they find me? Right in front of the sound system. You know? Somewhere that's now like second nature to you. You know? And, uh, you know, that, that, was a, that was a first love, you know? It was just listening and dancing, you know, not able to touch nothing. So when, so, so when did you start to kind of like want to get involved or maybe learn to play or sing or when, when did you start to kind of get a bit more into it? Okay, it's, it, it started now when, you know, went into senior school, you know, between the ages of 12 up until 16 where, you know, uh, we've, got more, we've got more leeway to go out, you know. You, uh, you know, you ask your mommy, you want to go to your friends, you can come back at 7 o'clock in the evening after school, you know, so... You know, they give us this opportunity to go and visit our friends and come back home, you know. And I used to go to their house and, you know, I used to be there sitting and uh, playing games and, you know, having fun as we used to do. And uh, I used to ask them uh, if they could play some music for me, you know. And uh, they would laugh and say, oh, you want to hear music? And we say, yeah, you want to, I want to hear music. So I used to listen to uh, the different music that other people had in their house. You know, mm -hmm. 
and uh, you know m moving around with a few musical friends it, you know it, it, it gave me an opportunity to want to get involved you know what I mean and uh, during this time uh, I had an older brother who was in Jamaica and is now uh, coming to stay with the family now seeking residence in the UK so he came from Jamaica uh, my older brother and uh, he basically had friends who was playing a different set of music as well so uh, once again I used to try and follow him to see where he's going out for the night when I hear where it is I used to ask my friends do you know where that place is and we used to go we used to sneak out and, and check it out and see what's going on so what, what, kind, what kind of places were these then that, that you'd sneak to to hear music? What, what kind of things were they? Uh, unused uh, building and stuff like this. This is where, you know, the, the, the older heads, older than me, used to go, what I used to see, you know. And uh, I used to go to one of these places and we used to, we wasn't allowed to go inside because we was just too young. So we just stood up outside and people would tell us to go home because we were too young and stuff. But we just used to listen to the resonation of the sound playing and as soon as the door opened, you know, we can hear the music echoing through. And again, you know, getting involved with the music was, you know, just between that age of between 12 and 16. So when I, when I actually left school, I actually knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to get involved. But mm -hmm. in my early age, when I used to hear songs, I, the favorite ones... I would remember them by heart like a poem. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I would remember them like a poem. You know, I remember this song I used to sing, Midnight Rider. You know what I mean? I used to sing Midnight Rider every day. You know what I mean? And uh, as soon as I hear the song, uh, I used to jump for joy because that used to be my song, you know, the Midnight Rider. And... Uh, Barry Biggs uh, and you'd, work and you'd, all day. you'd sing out when you were young. Then you just you'd, would you sing as, as a kid just around the house? Yeah, and, but that's what know, I mean. Was... That's what I mean. Uh, I would I would sing these songs knowing them by heart, but not singing them, but not singing them to try to perfect myself. It was just singing them because I follow what the singer was actually doing. Mm -hmm. I was just following the singer what he was actually doing. If he hit a note there, I'm gonna try and hit it. So I was basically. The young copycat just listening to the songs, the favorite songs that I like. And did anyone like recognize your talent? Did anyone say, like, Oh, Murray, yeah, you can sing, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like what I said, you know, you know, I used to go around my friend's house and I used to ask them to play music. And uh, when they played the music and I used to say to them, Turn it over and play the version, they was very surprised. They, they, they went, What? I saw your bad? Yeah, man, in goodie. You know what I mean? A lot of people used to. A lot of people, and even their parents, used to say, Wait, I saw him, I go on. What? I saw you bad? Everybody used to say that to me, and, and you know, uh, I wasn't shy of it. I, I would just carry on, keep going to the end, because obviously, you know, I knew these songs by heart, and if there's more words to carry on with the song, I'm not going to stop, so I kept going through the music. Yeah, sing, sing the song, sing the song. You know song. what I mean? So, you know, that was where it, that was where it started. You know what I mean? And what, what about, like, playing music? Because obviously, you know, you're an accomplished producer and, like, musician. I mean, did, did you learn how to play music when you were younger, or is that something that maybe came later, or...? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, the singing came... The singing actually came first, you know, because um, uh, we, we started a sound system back in the, in, in the 80s. 
uh, with 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 neighborhood friends. Obviously, they wanted me to to do a little DJing, but mainly sing on the sound. So, obviously, because I was a good because I was a good copycat, you know, uh, it gave me the opportunity to go and spread my wings in a different way with a, a different genre of music. So it was in the same reggae category, but you know, what I mean, it, it was moving up another level, you know. Because Birmingham was a city of sound systems from what, you know, I've, I've spoken to Maccabee and very, you know, to King Earthquake, different people, and, you know, it's just, it, it is a city, a legendary city of sound systems from what people have told me. Yeah, yeah, it's just a shame that, you know, there isn't no, um, you know, real old video footage to really show you what Birmingham really had. Yeah, pe- people would love to see it, really. Because I hear such strong stories from it. I know that there's footages of, you know, other sound systems playing, you know, in different parts of the country. But, you know, I know some was missing from Birmingham still, you know. But, yeah, Birmingham had a great, uh, a great uh, growing up as reggae uh, pioneers and sound system men and people who wanted to get involved, even like myself, you know. So what, what kind of sound, I mean, do, do you have any recollections of hearing when you finally were old enough to be allowed in or you managed to sneak in or whatever, like your first recollections of, of attending some kind of dance or hearing a sound or I wonder kind of what that was like. All right, all right, I'm going to tell you something. Um, back in my day, you know, um, my brother used to follow Quaker City Sound System, you know, the original Quaker City Sound, yeah? and. Um, you know, we used to always hear my talk about Sir Coxon and this and that and, yo, Sir Coxon, I come from London and, yo, them I play it. And, you know, they used to play at uh, some picture houses, you know, in, in, in Hansworth. You know, you used to have one called the E-Lights and, and the next one called Grand Palace. And, and, and then you had another place around the corner called Rose Hill, yeah? And, uh, you know, these places were where these sounds used to, used to play. Not only there, but there was other places, obviously. But these are the places that I remember, you know. And uh, I remember one night, you know, they, you know, one week they told me that uh, Sir Coxon's coming to play with Prince Farai. The, the Prince you know? Farai. Yeah, to me those days, again, you know, when we talk about music that me grew up on, you know, Prince Farai was a great... Was a great man who lifted up the Rasta movement, you know, him talk and him, him, him ways, you know. So, you know, who was listening a lot of Prince Farai tune, you know, black reggae music message to the king and all the Psalms album and all that stuff. And, and the Cry Tough stuff. And yeah, man, it, 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 to me, it was, it was great. So when I heard that Prince Farai is coming with Sir Coxon, I said, no, we have to find a way to go. So, all, all my little friends, we get together, and yes, this time we are we are we are fourteen and fifteen. We say, okay, we're gonna go to the session. We take the last bus, and we didn't have enough money to get inside all of us, and we stood outside and watch everybody go inside. We hear Prince Farai from outside until the man had a bit of pity on us and said, you know what? Uno can't stand up outside all night. You know what? Two by two, go inside. And you know, you know when we went inside, yo, it was a joy to hear Prince Farai on the mic, Pan Coxon, you know? 
And, you know, to me, you know, it's something that will stay with me, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, you know, because those times, you know, we never know about death, you know, we never know about people dying and stuff like that, you know. He came, you know, at a later stage, you know. So when Prince yeah. Farai lose him life, you know, it was just nice to know, say, me have that memory that me see him, you know. Taken far too early. Yeah, so man. So what, what was a dance like in those days? I mean, how, how, how would you describe it? I mean, obviously it's different to the situation now. Yeah, the way it was them days, it, 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 it was strictly Rasta movement. You know what I mean? It, it, was, it was a Rasta movement because, as you know, you know, the UK was pressing us, you know what I mean, with certain issues, you know, with the Enoch Powell thing and all that stuff and the racism, you know. And, um, you know, during this time, you know, the, 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 we, we find a music that can uplift us with the King Selassie movement. So it, it was more a, a deep, it was like going to church, basically, you know, because, you know, the, 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 the music and the upliftment of the dance those days was totally different to what we have now. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, like we say, it was totally different because uh, I remember the sound system using valve amps and... And and some big speaker boxes. All the equipment totally different to what's now quad boxes, valve amps. Mm. This is a different different setup totally. To hear you know all these sounds playing in 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 the arena, you know, and to hear the the place trembling with one sound and the next sound, you, you can. And 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 they were still heavy back then, because obviously it's a long time ago in terms of technology. But they were, they were heavy. People, that's what people seem to say. Yeah, one and two sounded heavy. You know, you know, Quaker did Quaker did heavy still. You know what I mean? You know, that's why he named Quaker. You know? He made sure of that. You know what I mean? You know? So, you know what I mean? You know, you know Quaker stand for what his name was. You know, him, him quake up the place. You know, because some sounds, you know, you could only hear the wall or you could hear the speaker in the box or you could hear them forcing something and it's too much. But it was still nice. It was, it was still nice because, you know, it's something that we are experienced for the first time. You know, and, you know, in those days, we didn't have a sound system yet. But the, the, the intention is growing yeah, to be once, there. Once, you, once you've witnessed you know? that, then if, if, if it makes that impression on you, then you kind of want to go deeper into it. I mean, that seems to be, that's what happened to me, for sure. Yeah, then, then from there, now, you know, we, we built a sound system, you know, Virgo sound system. And, um, you know, we played for about 10 or 12 years during the 80s, going up to the 90s. This is Virgo sound. Yeah, this is Virgo, Virgo sound system here yeah, in, in Birmingham. It was only an area sound. That means we only played in mm-hmm. Birmingham, you know? You know, you know, we played a couple of times in Coventry, but, you know, and we did go to the Northwestern play, but, you know, it was more really a, a local area how, sound. How was you know? it running a sound in the, in the 80s in Birmingham? I mean, what, what was well, it like? Well, you know, it still, it still was a competition, because, you know, you had other people building sound systems as well, and you had other sound systems that was there that uh, we still admire. So, you know, we, we still followed them and still listened to them. You know what I mean? And gain, we still try to gain some experience from what every sound system is doing. You know, growing up those days, it was more difficult. It was more difficult. As you know, sound system was custom built. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you had a good man who had a who, who can make a preamp. And uh, uh, in my growing up days, it was transistorized amplifiers now. So, 
That's what we had to purchase when we had this the the Virgo sound system, you know. So it it was more, you know, those days it, it was more difficult to have a sound. You know, we pushed hard because you know once again it's the love of music that uh, kept me, you know, going into the arena even if I didn't have a sound system. And also, my my understanding of, of those days is the, is the bit I saw at the end of those days when I kind of got immersed in it all was kind of that being on the mic and talking lyrics and stuff was a serious business, you know what I mean? Yes, it was. And there was a, and there was a lot of people talking a lot of stuff on the mic and it's kind of, you know, you had to have sort of skills and dexterity and stuff. Would, would you say that was like the case? Yeah, yeah, that was the, that was the case, you know. You know, in, in the days of me growing up, yeah, that was, that was the case. But, you know, uh, uh, in me being a copycat, you know, back in the early days, you know, mimicking songs and singing them and knowing them by heart, yeah? It gave me the inspiration to get pen and paper together and and start to write lyrics, you know what I mean? You know, not only lyrics for songs, but lyrics to try and DJ on the sound system to, you know, impress the crowd and, you you know, and make the crowd feel nice and enjoy the ambience of the music while I'm on the microphone, you know, and my friends. Because that whole, like, the wordplay thing is something that's really... Because I've just... And I've spoken to a lot of guests about it. I'm fascinated by words and, like, lyrics and stuff because it's not my world. I'm in the music world. I'm amazed by lyrics. And, I mean, and have you always liked, like, playing around with words and stuff? Because, obviously, you know, you're a great lyricist in the songs you record and stuff. Yeah, because, you know, you know, going back to Jamaica, you know, back in the day, right, Yeah, I used to see... I used to see, uh, you know, people hanging on the streets in the countryside where my brother was, you know what I mean? And they was playing guitar. And when I, when I, when I hear them sing, I would join in, you know, the inspiration with the, with the music, you know what I mean? And what I've been learned over my years and now I'm in the UK doing the same thing. Back in the day, once again, it it was still difficult because, you know, I, I wasn't, Murray Man wasn't recognized on a big podium and, and, until like 98 when I actually gave up the sound system and went into uh, studio mm-hmm. production. And, and how, how, how did you get so, into all that? Because obviously that's how I met you and how a lot of people know you now is, is studio production and building tunes and running label and all the rest of it. And how, how did you get into that whole world? Okay. Uh, I had neighborhood friends, you know, after, uh, during the Virgo sound system days. So we're really talking uh, 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 80s going up. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we built up the sound and I'm singing, I'm still learning. And, you know, we, we, we hear the first uh, scientist and Barrington Levi dub mixes of some tune. And, you know, they were saying to me, yo, Murray, you have to sing on this one, you know, because this is what we're going to play, you know, when the big, when, when in the middle of the dance. So I, I, I would, I would go and, uh, uh, sing these songs. Uh, I saw somebody who saw me in the dance and invited me to come to their house because I had a four track machine to record voices mm-hmm. on their own with the music. So. This is where we started to go around this guy's house and we started to play with the four track. His name's Brian B, you know, he's, he's, he's actually a drummer, you know, and uh, 
Well, anyway, he had a four track and he, he said, come around and see what you can do on these tracks. And that's where it really started because uh, his family is quite a musician because his brother is a drummer as well. And uh, obviously they got a few instruments in the house. So obviously when I went there, I saw not only keyboard, they had bass, guitar, lead. And, you know, they had a few instruments of tambourine and stuff like that. And, you know, they would try to make a recording on one track, uh, play the keyboards on another track, and then they say to us, right, we've we got two more tracks to go and sing on. Yeah? So this is where it, this is where it started, you know, in, in the attic. Well, those four tracks were, like, revolutionary because you could actually record music and start to make tracks and, like understand how records are made that's right and and you know and this is where this is where it moved to and uh uh you know anytime the sound wasn't playing we would knock on brian's door we would run upstairs to the attic and before you know it we're, we're making we're making we're making music but obviously you know in those days to to get the the tape for the four track was mm-hmm. quite expensive so we had to know that anytime we go in there we we have to make something good, otherwise the next day they're gonna rub over it. That's it. It's so different now. People <laughs> you know? have no idea so, that it's like you know you had to like to record yeah. something. You had to buy a tape yeah, really. or buy something, and you got to commit to it, and it's got to be you know to a certain level before you can do that. Yeah. So you know you know being Ron Brian, I, I learned to try and play everything, and you know there, there was even a year when he he came with an accordion. You know the accordion that you put on your back, and he even tried to he even tried to learn to play it, and he could play it. You know. And, you know, he was trying to learn all of us, hey, put this on your back, look, just push it forward, push it back, push it forward, push it back, press this one, press that one, press this one. And we learned to do it in sync. So when it was time to uh, make the track with the, with the keyboards, we had that accordion with us. Well, it's, like, it's like the ultimate melodica almost, isn't it? That's right. So we learned, we learned, to, play, we learned to play the accordion because remember the accordion, it has, it has the chords mm. on one side and you can play the lead on the other side. So we learned, we learned, we learned this like, you know, and we went through and then after a while, you know, uh, we, we done a couple of cassettes with me singing and obviously um, bringing it to everybody to listen and, you know, and, you know, that's where it, that's where it kind of moved again, you know. Uh, I moved with an engineer mm-hmm. called Spears, you know. I was building tracks at home and, bringing them to him and he was making tracks and obviously there was more, ex- there, you know, Spears was more experienced than I was at the Because they're all like time, apprenticeship, so. like studio apprenticeships, aren't they? You just got to learn these tricks and tips and everything. And then once again, you know, I had my own neighbourhood uh, engineer here as, as well who, 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 who loved what I was doing called mm-hmm. Winston Davis. It's it's our own little Tobbies in Birmingham here, you know. A lot of people know him, you know, and... Uh, uh, not long ago, you know, he passed away. God bless him, you know what I mean? But uh, as far as I can say, all his fingerprints are all over nice. the studio, you know what I mean? But God bless him and rest in peace. But I used to go over there and experiment with him and build tracks. But this time, Brian B was playing the drums. He had a few people playing the bass and everybody playing live. And again, this is where I still had the opportunity to try and get involved, you know? But everybody was saying, no, I'm st- Steer with the singing, man. You're good, man. You're good. Steer with the singing. You know, everybody's saying to me, you know, stay with the singing. And But I still wanted to play the keyboard when, when they had a break. You know, I touch a keyboard a bit and mess around. 
you know, and learned where the chords were. And like what I was saying to you, you know, being a copycat is to watch what somebody's doing and see if he can do the same thing, you know. I watched uh, a guy playing the guitar and I watched him play a few uh, riffs and I said, okay. I said to him, can you do it again? And then I took the guitar up and I did the same thing. But obviously my fingers couldn't stretch, you know, because, <laughs> you know, playing guitar is quite... It's like the way that you, you were working with these other people is it's like in these days of like, you know, people swapping files on the internet and looking on YouTube and stuff. In those days, it was more of a social thing. However basic the studio was, you had to go there to do it, didn't you? That was, that was how it worked, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, what I realised was... Uh, the, the, these two, these two, three opportunities that I had, you know, was a great growing up experience. And, you know, I remember the days when Winston Davis told me that, you know, studios with the real to reel is going to change, you know, you know, they're going to come with a new system and a new way to record. And, you know, what I mean, he says, get one of these and try, you know, and, you know, once again, you know, leaving school and, you know, being 22, 24, 26, you know, you know, having a job is a, is a good thing, you know. And, you know, once again, you know, for the fascination and the love of music, you know, I did go to work and work to get, uh, for Winston Davis to get me the first uh, PC that I had that could could actually, you know, play music from a keyboard and, a, and, and another music yeah, module. when you see that sequencing the first time, you know? it's like mind-blowing. I remember seeing the old Atari and like a module and it's like... Yeah, you just play them all in, and then it plays it all back. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. Hey, you wouldn't believe I've still got two of those machines in the drawer, you know. I'll take a photo one day and, and send oh, it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, like, going, going a bit further forward, then it's like, obviously, at some point, you know, you, you started to get a bit more of a studio yourself, I guess. And then, at, at some point, this Mellow Vibes thing kind of came up, which, which is your label. And I remember seeing, like, the 7-inches when... I guess, you know, the first couple of releases, and it's like, oh, yeah, what's this? Murray, man, okay, oh, this, what, what a voice, and, like, and like these kind of, you know, just wicked, like, kind of Roots and Steppers productions. And so what, where, how, how did the whole Mellow Vibes thing come about? Yeah, uh, my first, my first uh, song that I actually made on vinyl was with uh, 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 Spears, you know, because they had a label called Silicon Squad, you know? And uh, I'd done a few tracks with Spears, and... Everything well went well, but once again, you know, you know, people's establishments over a few years sometimes get broken down and people get disbanded, you know, because you know it's yeah, a group. Someone of people, takes this. Someone takes know? the speakers. Someone takes the what, amplifier. That's or right. Whatever, and... Once again, I had to I had to look at Winston Davis because Winston Davis was actually growing now. He, you know, his name was growing, so he was building studios in up and down the country and he even left the country to wire studios for people so he was he was he was quite a genius when it came to studio engineering you know so you know in this time I I, I was working with him you know on on my free time and uh I remember we was working on a, a on a friend's studio in in the back garden and he, he said to me hey this studio's going to be good hey when we finish make it you can make a track here and I said really and I said, he said to me, "If you're quick, we can show, we can show, uh, we can show the guy who owns the studio what his studio can do when it's finished." So, you know, 
Winston gave me the opportunity, get on the keyboard, tap something out, you know, do this, let's get the keyboard right, do it right, yeah, right, drop the bass line, do this, right, go in the box and check the mic and make sure everything's working. And Winston Davis used to be beyond the mixing board, making sure everything's fine for mm-hmm. the customer, you know? And, you know, people used to say to me, oh, you're amazing, oh, yo, where are you from? And, you know, people used to, run me down and say, yo, you, you're fantastic. You know, until, you know, people were saying to me, do something about it. And, and you know, once again, you know, he, he, he gave me the urge knowing that, right, yeah. From my sound system days, you know, it's not only Jamaican tunes I'm listening. I'm listening UK tunes like stuff from Jatobi's, Harkai, Liable, you know what I mean? And, you know, other London um, establishment who are, of people who are making music, you know, even in the Lover's Rock era, you know, the Ariwa stuff and mm-hmm. the fashion label. Yeah, yeah. You understand? So, so I heard the, 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 the UK stuff. And, you know, when I heard the UK stuff, I said to myself, I can fit myself in there, you know. You know what I mean? But I didn't know how. So, once again, you know, Recording good music with two good engineers. People are saying my songs are good. Uh, I went to London to see how I can register a label and uh, put some music out and do the same thing from growing up from my father's days. Uh, you know, seeing the record play and, you know, one day it could be me. But, but learning how to do that, it's, it's, a bit of a, it's just a mystery. I remember when I started out and I had to, I was calling all these people, how do I do this? And... It's like, you've you got to learn the ropes, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? You know, there's, there's no choice in this. So, you know, uh, I had my cousin who lived in uh, Neasden and Wembley. And uh, he invited me to come up one weekend to, he's going to take me on a musical mission. And the first place he took me, the first place he took me was Music House. You know what I mean? And he says, this is where the guys come to, you know, press their records and stuff. And this was uh, on Holloway Road at the time. That's how I had, to in, I had to investigate before I actually put some money to, to know that this is what I wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, you've got to so. see it all and understand what's going on because it's just like, because it, there's, no, there's no manual anywhere and it's just kind of, when you've never done it before, you say, like, it's just a mystery, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, once I went to Music House, you know, and I saw, I saw what everybody was doing, they, they explained to me, you know, what I needed to do you know, from Chris, you know, big up Chris from Music House every time, you know, and the Music House team. Uh, you know what I mean? You know, he told me what to do and uh, it's just, here I am, you know. Uh, I started to press forward with the Mellow Vibe stuff in the early days with uh, me and Tenor Star and Dennis Lloyd, you know, that was uh, who I was working with at the time. Like what I say, you know, we, we, we put our money together to put, the, to put the music out and, you know, I remember when I was in Jamaica, they were saying to me, so when you put out music, let the public so decide. Vote with their feet, don't they? Correct. You know what I mean? Let the public decide. You get me? So, you know, it was just everybody saying, oh, your music's sweet. You know, because Dennis Lloyd, you know, is a lover's rock artist, you know? So, because the test is when you, when you release it and it goes public and someone who doesn't know you, doesn't know anything about you, doesn't know the label, they're going to the shop and they say, oh, what's that? Can I hear that? Or whatever. It's kind of that, that's when. That's the test, isn't it? When you know if it's any good or not, when total strangers, like, they buy your record. Well, that was the thing, you see. And uh, once again, uh, we pressed, uh, you know, a couple of vinyl with the, the, trio, the three of us, with Ten and Star, and we put the music forward. And uh, 
what I was doing then was for the for three four years I was just producing myself in Tennis Star, and that's what I was. That's how it started. I used to I used to make a track, sing on it, and I used to bring it around friends, and I used to really ask them what they think. And you know, some of them would tell me, "Oh, this sound like the tune when we hear the other day on the radio," and so that's giving me an idea. So what, what kind of response? What kind of response we did you get to some of those like? Um, Mellow Vibes releases because obviously when when a a new label comes up and maybe people you know to some people like a, a new artist as well uh, being in Birmingham I had to face London all the time so every time the tune was ready I had to go to London I had to drive to all the reggae record shops there was Mr Palmer uh, uh, Jetstar and uh, Hawkeye Records you know, there was a few record shops, Black Eyed Dread, you know, you know, there's a few record shops. Yeah, you had to like, you had to kind of walk the streets and kind of get it out there. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, once again, I, I relied on my cousins in, in Neasden and Wembley to take me to all these shops, please. And me need to go, me have record in the boot and I got records in the boot. I want to move and I want to sell them. You know what I mean? And once again, you know what I mean? And, you know, that, 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 that keeps echoing in my mind when I was in Jamaica. You see, when you had put out tune, make the public decide. It's all nice, you know, but make the public decide. So, you know, we, you know, me and my cousins, we would go in the record shop and go, yo, we have a new tune, you know, yo, listen to it. And it's like, as soon as it comes on, the three of us start dancing and go, yeah, man, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it really <laughs> the was Mellow funny, Vibes man. promotional team. You know, really, those days, those days were funny, man, you know, and we, you know, with my cousin, you know, we had fun, you know what I mean? And, you know, and at some point, I guess you set the studio up because I've I've yet to visit it, but I've seen the pictures and you know videos, and it's like, you know, it seems to be like a, you know, it's a kind of creative hub. You know, once I found out that people are moving to liking what I was putting out, I decided to call in, you know, some of the neighborhood singers, basically. You know, who I know they've got the talent as well. They've got the experience to put out something good. You know, this is where, you know, Tennis Star, you know, Claire Angel and Raphaelia and, you know, Amelia Harmon. This is where everybody start to start to come yes, in. Yes, some great artists. You know what I mean? Mr. Diamond, you know what I mean? You know, this is where all these people started to come in. And, you know, my place was a place I practiced and tried to get it right, basically, you know? And for me, you know, to have... People with different vices coming in, to me, it was the greatest experience because we're learning from each other. You know what I mean? You know? Mm-hmm. And once again, you know, me having a label can't only put out Moriman, 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 Moriman all the time. Yeah? I opened the door and said, come on, let's, let's have a go. See if you like this one. You like this track? You like this one? That's how Mellow Vibes actually started to, to, to move, you know? Yeah, so now it's like, super established and everyone in the scene knows it and but one one question that's sort of related to it just a kind of just a personal question really is like I remember when you came up to record a track with me and Richie Roots years ago to keep the fire burning and we were amazed by these harmonies and it's like we we, me and Rich talked about it a lot afterwards and it's kind of how how did you learn to do harmonies like that because like you, you you nail the harmonies definitely yeah I mean once again you know it's it's been a copycat you know, and obviously, you know, um, working with Spears and Winston Davis is another thing, you know. You know, the, these guys push me to a level because they know so me can do it. And, you know, 
with Winston Davis, he used to take the keyboard and go, and this note you feel like, hit dear, dear, hit it dear. And you know, again, being a copycat of just uh, three keys on the keyboard, I do it. And you know, that, that's, that's how I learned to do, the, you know, the backing vocals, you know. Uh, you know, as as good as I can, you know, as good as I do for the records, basically. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love it. That's that's for me. It's like the classic sound. Then, obviously, like what what you know through releasing records and getting known is like you got invited to play in lots of different places, and you know we've bumped into each other in all kinds of different countries. But it's like you've really like travelled the world with music. Well, how it really started, right, was uh, you know I've actually basically told you how I really started. And, uh, you know, the second part, what I'm going to tell you now is, you know, uh, in, in, in the early 70-inch days, I was selling records. And uh, somebody told me to go to Camden Town. There's a Chinese guy. He's got a little shop. Go and check him. He'll buy some records from you. And, uh, you know, this is where I met Roots Thing, you know? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Roots Thing has uh, been backing me uh, from from... The moment he heard the first seven inch, you know, uh, and we shared a, we shared a good relationship in the early years, and uh, he invited me to play in France, which I thought he was crazy because uh, he actually he actually took a box of tunes and uh, he told me that he sold some to some French people, and uh, you know he's going over there to play if I would like to go there. And that was a surprise to you that there was stuff going on in France. Yeah, this was in this was in nineteen ninety nine, I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Would I like to go to Would I like to go to France and play? And I, I was saying to him, he's crazy. I says, How are you going to get there? He's going to drive the sound system in a truck and uh, drive behind in a jeep. You know what I mean? I, I took him up on the deal because he, you know he, he offered me some. He offered me a. a just to take the microphone and uh, he would give me accommodation and food. So, you know, I took a gamble and, and went with him. And, uh, you know, when I went to France, he kind of opened my eyes different from the UK again. You know, it was like another That's Jamaican. The one you, 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 exactly, you see that there's people who love reggae music all over the place. Yeah, it's another, it's another experience, you know. Never judge a book by its cover and never judge what people say about a country until you go there to experience it for yourself. So, you know what I mean? You know, I went to France and, you know, uh, Roots thing had his, had his thing going on uh, in a couple of places. We went and played from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, we are on our way home. Uh, he paid me for every night. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I met some good friends. Uh, we did it every month for five years. Every month, not every. Sorry, not every month. Every three months for five years. Wow! Once every three months for five years, from ninety nine up until two thousand and four and five. At the same time, while the Roots thing was playing, I was still releasing music and still selling it, as we do. You know, what I mean, every time we play the sounds playing, I tell Roots thing to play the track, tell the people it's here. You can buy it live and direct, and I actually sing the song in the dance to. Tell the people it's me, you know. Roots thing took me to Ireland as well, yeah, to play with a Revelation Sound, and that was again, you know, in that period, you know, between '99 and 2005, and he took me to Switzerland to Cultural Warriors as well mm -hmm. during that in period. Line, 
yeah. And, you know, once again, once again, uh, in what I was doing, I really didn't see it as anything great. Rootsting taught me that there's another side you can entertain the people. Yeah, that's that, right. Like being a being a masterful MC on the mic in a dance is kind of there's a whole yeah. Pe- people just love to hear that all over the world, and there's not so many people that are active and can still do that now. Really, with those with those proper skills. Yeah. So me coming from the sound system days, for Rootsting to tell me to come back in nineteen. 19- 99 to come and hold a mic for a sound system. I'm telling them I'm done with sound. You get me? And he says, nah, man, it's still going to happen. And like what I said, he took me to all these places, you know what I mean? And then uh, five, six years with Roots, Ting and Simon uh, going up and down, uh, playing sound system in France. We even, we even drove from the UK to Montpellier, which was for me. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a trip. That I thought it was impossible in those days. But in those days, I had a little rover. You know, you remember my little rover, Steve? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. They're made in Birmingham, weren't they? Anyway, yeah, that little backlax. Yeah, yeah. I serviced it and, and drove there with them, and uh, what an experience! You know, uh, I, I saw another side. I saw another side to France when I went there. Uh, and sort of moving forward, obviously, you've released loads of music on your own Mellow Vibes label, as well as recording um, as a vocalist for lots and lots of different labels. And it's kind of, you know, there's a, a whole body of like Murray Man works out there now as well and it's kind of you know I don't know how it feels now to have put out all that music and to be known and you know what's it like what's the kind of perspective now well well once again once again Steve as you know um you know you know you captured me in, in my early days as well you know with the keep the fire yeah, burning song and stuff true. you know what I mean and um you know you know the whole the whole idea was all I wanted to do was to be heard you know because you know Sometimes, sometimes I, I, Murray man, can get a fight by my own people. You understand? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I can get a fight by my own people. So me, I just want to be heard and get my message across. You know what I mean? And, you know, you know if people was telling me, oh, Murray again, oh, he's rubbish, he's rubbish, I, 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 would, give <laughs> up. I would give up and, and take another profession. You know, I would go back, I would probably go back in the workforce, you know? I'd go back to work if that was the case, you know, be a janitor or, or, or be a club doorman or, you know, I'd be something, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? Everybody was saying to me, oh, Murray, I do good, you know, good music. Oh, I love this one. Oh, why didn't you play that one? And, you know... Keep, keeps, it keeps you going, all that stuff, doesn't it? It's, you know, it's not like, you know, you're only doing it because you want people to tell you you're cool, but just, just having people say, oh, I like what you do, and that, that, especially when you know it's genuine... It's like that's that that's just keeps you going. I think, you know, I still stick with it. You know what I mean? I still stick with the music same way. I'm ground rooted. It, it's too much in me now. It can't come out. That's it. That's it. So, what what kind of things can we expect to look forward to? Have you got anything you're kind of working on at the moment? At the moment, I'm working on. Um, Raphaelia's album, you know, because uh, it's long overdue and due to the cold V19 thing, you know, I want to wait for it to blow over before it actually comes, you know. Also, I'm working with um, Tennis Star, you know, uh, at, you know, in the same time. Uh, we got a new release coming on 12-inch 45 called Flames Around. Uh, uh, I did put a little preview on uh, the Meta Vibes uh, Facebook page. Uh, scroll down a little, you'll find it. 
And um, we've got a new Junior Roy because I've been working with Junior Roy now. Uh, oh, he's a great singer. For, for the longest time, you know. I've been working with Junior Roy quite a long time, you know. Trying to develop him, so and now he's well, that's, that's, that's some great work you've done there because he's he's a great artist, and it's great to hear someone who's young, who's who's got the obviously got the natural ability, but you've obviously schooled him to bring him up to kind of speed, and yeah, he's done a great job there. Yes, yes, Junior Ray, yeah, man, in vice is unreal, you know. You may I tell you, all tell this world, you know, you know, we, we you know we we have some we have some great music coming from him, you know. Once again, me have to big up Ashanti Sila for the album also, you know? Yeah, for sure. For putting for the sure. album out for Junior, right? You know? And, you know, these are the things where we're trying to, not only, I'm not only trying to push myself, I'm trying to open doors for other artists to come through, you know, who we know can do the job, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like recognizing talent. Yeah, because, you know, you know, like when we say, you know, we, we work, you know, we work hard at it and I know that there's a lot of underground artists Right, yeah, that are not recognized, mm-hmm. you know, and you know them them do good music, you know, and you know we still have to encourage them to keep going, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's that's our job as producers, definitely. And like definitely. when we said, Junior, I Junior, I've been working with him for a very long time, and yeah, we 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 share some great experiences, you know. So, you know. Well, listen, Murray, we've been talking for quite a while now, so yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you the sort of final question that I ask all the guests on the podcast. Yes. Because um, it's been great hearing about the story. I've learned loads about it. Um, but it, but it's like what, what I'm asking people at the end of the, of the interview is, is this, I've got this book of dub, and it's, it's getting quite long now, quite a few names in it, and I'm writing everyone's name in it, so I'm going to write Murray Man. And then what, what, what would you want written next to your name as something to be associated with or, you know, that, that kind of thing? Yeah. Just Moriman sending out a basically conscious reality. You understand? Yeah, you know, it's just what I sing about really. Yeah, love, 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 I love you, baby, that's fine. You know, especially when you're in love with a woman, you know. And, you know, but right now, uh, you know... Rasta music and roots music is telling you what's going on, not only about history, not only about Babylon, yeah? But we have to develop ourselves while we're living in Babylon. So, you know, for me, it's conscious mm-hmm. reality. Nice, nice. Yeah, when your, your lyrics are like, you know, lyrics and words are really powerful. That's like what I was saying earlier on, I, I kind of love lyrics. And, you know, your lyrics are out there like providing inspiration and stuff for people. You know, it's, it's powerful stuff, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But like we say, you know, me, me try my best to, you know, you know, use good vocabulary in the, in, 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 in the words of the songs that me trying to put across, you know? Well, Murray, thank you very much for being part of the podcast and uh, look forward to doing some more work together. Yeah, man, no problem, Steve. Yeah, big up each and every time and all the listeners and all the people and all the fans and all the people worldwide who know me and the people who grow me and the people who are just getting to know me. Thank you. Thanks again for joining me and Murray Man for this 18th episode of the Life in Dub podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Life in Dub to keep up to date with each new episode. And if you enjoy the show, please share it and help spread the word. All the info you'll need about the show is on the website lifeindub.com and I'll see you all again in two weeks for the next Life in Dub podcast.